Good morning. Greet you in Jesus' name this morning. It um, is good to be here. And it's good to see all of you here. And I see some visitors. I want you to know that you are very welcome here. And we're glad that you are joining us this morning for worship. This morning is communion morning, and I was contemplating that as I was preparing to preach, and it seems like life has been busy this week, a little bit difficult to, to get my thoughts together, and I have to admit this whole thing with the hurricane and the devastation, and I know there are probably people here that know people down there that have probably had damage. Maybe some of the properties were damaged. And I just, I, I look at those pictures and watch some of those videos on the news, and I, it, it, it's, it's astounding to me the, the damage that a storm can ca- cause, that, that broad uh, spectrum of, of damage. And so, I just can't help but say, let's not forget to pray for those people. Um, and of course, we, we think about our own personal storms that we face sometimes and how God moves in those, um, in those areas of our lives that are stormy, and He is there. And so I was just, those were things that I was thinking about this past week. I invite you to turn to Mark chapter 8 for a message passage. After you've turned there, I would just invite you to bow your heads and we'll pray and ask God to be here with us this morning. Our Father in heaven, we come to you and ask that you would direct us through this time of looking at your word. And I pray, God, that we would have hearts that would be open and receptive to the truths and the things that we'll be looking at in... uh, this passage. I pray for your spirit to direct me and to guide my thoughts and my mind and my tongue so that I can speak truth and that your spirit could then convey that truth to our hearts this morning. Pray a blessing on each one that's here, Father, from the oldest to the youngest. Pray that they could understand what is being said this morning. We commit ourselves to you and we commit the remainder of this service to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
We sang a lot of songs this morning about our Savior and um, the cross, and especially like that last song we sang. It's a meaningful, very powerful uh, song, and I trust that it spoke to you as well. All the songs minister to, to you this morning. My mind was drawn to a specific aspect of communion. And on Communion Sundays, we gather to, uh, what we say, commemorate the death and suffering of Jesus. On Easter, we commemorate His resurrection. And we don't often talk much about His resurrection around the Communion time because it is the time when we actually remember and take note in Scripture um, about his actual death and suffering. So that's, I will be focusing on death this morning and suffering, but I trust it'll be from an angle that will make sense. <clears throat> my particular subject or my particular line of thinking is the cross. The cross. The title of the message this morning is The Way of the Cross is the Way to life. The way of the cross is the way to life, or we could say the way of life. I like either one. If you think about the wording there, the way of the cross leads to life, or the way of the cross is the way of life. And you think about that as we go through the message this morning. My goal this morning is to have us focus on the cross, specifically two different crosses this morning, and we'll get into that later. Mark chapter 8, verse 31 is where I'll begin, <clears throat> and I'm going to read several verses, and then we're going to stop, and we're going to draw some lessons from that. Mark chapter 8, verse 31. And the setting here is right after Peter made his great confession. Somebody tell me what Peter confessed. This is right, this, the portion that we're going to read is right after Peter just told Jesus, when Jesus was asking his disciples, who do men say that I am? You remember reading that? You can read it in about every one of the, the Gospels. And, and they said, well, you are, some people say you are this person and you are this prophet or you're this or you're that. And then Jesus turns to his disciples and says, but who do you say I am? And Peter just pops off and says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and, and Jesus looks at him and says, you know what, Peter? You didn't get that out of yourself. My heavenly Father, this is in, in Luke, says this, my heavenly Father gave that to you, gave that answer to you. <coughs> and so, right after that is the passage that we're going to read this morning. And with that, in, in some of the other Gospels, uh, Jesus said, look, um, you are Peter, and then he says, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And then he says this, and I will give you the keys 
kingdom, give to you the keys of the kingdom. And, and then he says, no, I don't want you to tell anybody what we just talked about. I don't, I don't want you to tell anybody that I am the Christ. Don't tell anybody that. And we see that in verse 30 of our chapter. He says, and he charged them that they should tell no man of him. Verse 31 is where we're going to be uh, beginning today. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things <clears throat> and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three, three days rise again. And he spake that saying openly, and here comes Peter again, and took him and began to rebuke him. And when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savest not the things that are of God, but the things that are of men. I'm going to stop there for now. <clears throat> I want you to picture yourself sitting in that group of followers, believers. And you would have just got done hearing Jesus commend Peter and probably the rest of the disciples that were there and the rest of the believers that were there on the right answers. And then you would have heard Jesus say, look, I'm going to also give to you the keys of this kingdom that I'm going to usher in. And if you just let your mind think that through a little bit, <clears throat> if, you, if you were there and would have been following Jesus for any amount of time, you would have known that this is some different kind of man. But there would have still been some questions in your mind. There would have still been things that you were unsure about. And when you, were, you heard him say, well, the keys of the kingdom, what kingdom? Remember, they were, they were still thinking in earthly terms. And if you're thinking in earthly, earthly terms, I'm putting myself in their place. I'm saying, cool, I got keys to whatever kingdom he's going to bring in. I'm going to have keys. Keys give us authority and allow us to do things that other people can't. Essentially, I think probably they were thinking, I'm, we're going to be something in this kingdom. Right after that, he says, but I want you to know that I'm going to suffer a lot of things and I'm going to die. I'm going to be killed. So you go from this picture of, ooh, wonder what's coming, to, oh, what? You're... You're going to suffer, and you're going to die. We saw you heal people. How is that possible? So there's a couple questions that come to my mind as I think about Jesus' statement. And I'd like for you to think about these questions. The first question that I think I would ask is, Jesus, did I hear you right? Didn't you say that you must suffer many things and then be rejected and ultimately die. I want you to notice a word in verse 31. Jesus said, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer. When you use the word must in that way, what does it mean? I looked it up. It basically has the meaning of 
responsibility, of duty, of commitment. Literally means that the course has been set and I must follow the course. I must follow the course. In other words, if you were paying attention to what Jesus was saying, he was saying, there is no other way. I will suffer and I will die. I will suffer and I will die. And I don't know how you feel, but I, I can imagine almost the despair when I hear my, my master say, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Why must Jesus die? That's the next question we ask. Why must Jesus die? If you will be sitting there, I think that would be the next question that I will ask him. Jesus, why do you have to die? Why do you have to suffer? You just said you must suffer and die. Why? Why must you suffer and die? If you turn over to Romans chapter 5, Actually, chapter 5 and chapter 6, there are a number of passages in there, and I'm not going to read them all. I have a few. But here's what gives us the answer to Jesus' comment and to our question. Why must you die? In Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says this, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Now, understand that the disciples weren't, they, they were looking ahead. We're looking back, so we understand all of this stuff. For them, it was confusing. So we're just going to slide them out of the picture, and we're going to talk to us today. <clears throat> Why did Jesus have to suffer and die? Because of sin. Because of sin. Well, we might ask the question, well, what does sin have to do with... Why did, why did he have to die for sin? That leads us to another question that asks, is sin something bad? And I for sure am not going to die for someone's sin. Why would he die? For someone's sin. And understand. We all know these answers. But often we don't stop. And take the time to think through. What needed to happen here. Sin. Is anything. That goes against. The character and the glory. Of God. When I act. And live in such a way. That goes against. God, in any way, His character, I sin. We just read in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, that by one man, sin entered into the world, and when sin entered into the world, death also entered in. And that through that one man, 
all men, all people, are sinners. We agree. We understand, correct? We understand that. We understand this morning that we have sin natures. And I just want to take the time this morning to say this. If you're here this morning and you have never been born again, that is, you've never confessed your sins and asked Jesus to forgive you and to be your Lord and Master, today's the day. Because without that, you won't see heaven. There is no salvation outside of that. We're all sinful. We all need a Savior. And that's why Jesus needed to die. He needed to shed His blood so that our sins can be cleansed and washed away. I'm not going to get into all of that doctrine and theology. There's a lot of things that we could cover this morning. That's not the point of my message. The point I'm driving to is the cross. <clears throat> the fact of the matter is, and we all believe it and we all understand it, is that Jesus died. And he stated here that I will suffer and I will die. And the reason I have to die is because of sinful men. Jesus was not sinful. And he died. Sin has wages. Sin has the wage or the payment of death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I think I would ask another question of Jesus. And I say, okay, if you're going to suffer and die, you, you said you're going to suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and be killed. What all does that mean? In other words, Jesus, how are you going to suffer? And are we going to suffer too? Am I going to be part of this? I mean, I'm your follower. Am I going to be affected by this? What manner of suffering and what manner of death will you experience? And I think that's why Peter was so adamant that he, he, this isn't going to happen. I'm not going to let it happen. Jesus, no, I'm not going to let it happen. He couldn't wrap his mind and he couldn't understand what Jesus was talking about. Probably rightly so. What Jesus didn't tell them was the details of his suffering and his death. Jesus didn't tell them how he was going to die. How did Jesus die? By what means did Jesus die? On the cross. What's the word that's used for executing someone on a cross? Crucifixion. Did you know that crucifixion happens only on a cross? And if you read in the in the in the Gospels, you find out what kind of death Jesus died. He was crucified for our sins. What is crucifixion? Crucifixion is probably, at least at that time, 
the most horrific way to die. Crucifixion was only meant for those who were foreigners, who deserted the army, or were despicable people. The lowest of the low. No Roman citizen was ever crucified unless it was a soldier that had deserted the army. Foreigners and the outcasts were crucified. Crucifixion began with a, a, a flogging. Crucifixion didn't just happen on the cross. Every crucifixion started with a, with a, with a flogging. And you know the stories. You've heard the, the, the descriptions. But we have to understand that this is what Jesus was talking about. This is what Jesus was talking about. Those floggings were so horrific that the person often died before they actually got nailed to the cross. They tried to stop the floggings just before they died so that they actually hang them on the cross and that would finish them off. I did a little research and, and, and the absolute awfulness of the flogging is unbelievable. If you read in Isaiah, it says that his visage or his, the way he looked was so bad, was so bad, unlike any other person after the flogging. And Jesus was still alive. And then, after the flogging, if you were still alive, they tied your hands to the cross beam of that cross, which weighed between 75 and 120 pounds. And you were required to carry that on your torn, bleeding back through the city to the place outside the city where they were going to hang you. And when you got there, Oh, by the way, that being tied to that cross beam, you were so weak that if you stumbled and fell, you had no means of stopping your fall. That was intentional. They made you suffer as much as possible. And then they nailed you to the cross. And there you hung. If you were lucky, you died within a couple hours. If you were unlucky, you, you lasted for a couple days. And there you hung. If you had friends or if you had family, they could come get your body. If you didn't, the birds got your body. That's the suffering that Jesus was talking about. That's the suffering that Jesus was talking about. That's the cross that he went to Scripture says, willingly. In John it says, "For nobody, nobody has taken my life. I gave my life willingly. I willingly laid it down, and I'm adding, for you. Nobody forced me to do this. I did it for you. And you, we have to remember that, brothers and sisters. We have to remember that. Jesus was not killed for the sake of being killed. He went willingly for our sins so that we could have life. The way of the cross is horribly despicable. 
but it leads to life. It leads to life. Jesus died, and then he rose again the third day. He spilled his blood, and in that blood is the remission of sins. The cross itself is not powerful in, 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 in cleansing our sins. It's the blood that was spilled, but the cross was the means by which it happened. The cross is the kind of thing that none of us would ever want to face. And Jesus faced it willingly. Death by the way of the cross is brutal. It is painful. It's humiliating and it's disgraceful. And Jesus went to it willingly. Why was it necessary that Jesus died on a cross? Why was it necessary that Jesus died on a cross? Why couldn't he just have been beheaded? Why couldn't Jesus have just been stoned? Why the cross? I think there's two things that we could answer with. I think one aspect of that is that Christ's crucifixion was... Such a thing that he needed to surrender to his heavenly father. He needed to show to us that he's willing to go to the cross and die as for our sins. This kind of de uh, death was difficult for anyone to face, especially someone who was sinless, who had no sin, and who was going to die in my place who died in my place. There's a second reason I think Jesus died on the cross. And we find it in the rest of our passage. Go back to Luke or to Mark chapter 8 verse 34. And when he called and when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also he said unto them Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I'm going to stop there. Do you think that if Jesus would have told them what kind of death he was going to die, that it would have been easy for him to say this? There would have been, there would have been some, I think there would have been some, mm, this didn't feel good. But he didn't. They understood. They knew exactly what the cross meant. And I just wonder if at that point there were some light bulbs, that, light bulbs that came on. It was a subtle way of Jesus saying, look, I'm going to die on the cross. And if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to be willing to die on your cross. You're going to have to be willing to die on your cross. That's the reason. Because you see, brothers and sisters, it is never easy to be a follower of Jesus. We want to make it easy. We make our lives really easy. But Jesus says, if you save your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life, you will save it. And that's the thrust of my message this morning, brothers and sisters. We've been called to follow Christ in our cross. I don't know what your cross is, I don't know exactly what all my crosses are. 
But I know that my crosses are yet to come. There are still crosses to come. I don't know what they are. I know I have, I've had some crosses. You've had some crosses. But you will have more crosses if God tarries. So a couple of things I want to look at this in, this, in this, these final verses here. The first verse there is a command. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. If we claim that we are followers of Christ, then the command is that we need to be cross-bearers. What does it look like when we take up our cross? What does the cross represent in our life? What did the cross represent in Jesus' day? It represents the same thing for you and me today. It represents opposition. It represents shame. It represents suffering. And it represents death. And Jesus is saying, if you're willing to be my follower, then you're, you're going to need to be willing to suffer all of this. And if you're not, then you have to go follow someone else. Not me. Because my way is the cross. Because that's the only way there is to life, spiritual life. Do you understand the connection, brothers and sisters? There is no other way to spiritual life except in the death on the cross, Jesus' death on the cross. And there is no way that you and I can live a continual life spiritual life, and not die to self daily. There is no way. He says you deny yourself. Because our self says, I don't want to suffer. I don't want to, to, to be thought bad. I don't want that. I, that, that. No, I don't want that. And Jesus says, listen, if you're going to be my disciple, you're going to have to say no to yourself. You're going to say, self, no. No. I die daily. I die to my wishes, and I serve my king. We're good at making our lives very protected. I'm the first. I hate. I hate difficulty. There is nothing in me that wants to die. Like literally, nothing in me that wants to die. There's nothing that likes shame. None of us like to be shamed. None of us like to bear reproach. But Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, take up your cross and deny yourself and then come follow me. Verse 35 gives us reasons for doing that. Compelling reasons. He says, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's, the same shall save it. So what we have going on here is we have a saving and a loss. And we have a loss and we have a saving. The saving here, brothers and sisters, the saving today, here and now, when I refuse to die daily, I don't know what that is for you. I don't know what God is saying to you this morning. 
But when I refuse to listen to Him and to die to myself and to live for Him, then I die over here. That literally means I die eternally. There is, I'm, I'm lost. I am lost. However, if in this life I say I will die daily, I will crucify my flesh by the power of the Holy Spirit, and I deny myself, then I live here. Two ways that compel us to follow through with the command. Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words, in verse 38, in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in glory, in the glory of his Father and with the holy angels. I have found in myself the astounding ability to be ashamed of my Jesus. And I've wondered already what account I will give for being ashamed of him. He says, if I'm ashamed now, at that day he will be ashamed of me. Essentially, I think what he's saying is, what he says in Matthew, I don't know you. I have never, I don't know you, you workers of iniquity. I don't know. I think what's sobering for me, brothers and sisters, is that I can say all the right things. I can live right. Like, I can't. I'm talking to myself. I can do that. And I, I can deny him. I, I will not say no to myself because I think it's too hard. I think it's too hard. But I will say, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. But I will not do what he asks me to do. I will not do it. How can I say that's, what I, that's who I am? That's sobering for me. Like it's, it's me back and says, Lyle, you've got to think about this. You've got to think about this. In Scripture, we're taught, it says that one way that we will know that we are His disciples is by what? By our love for one another. There's another way that you can know if you are His disciple is if you deny yourself and you follow Him. Right? Because in Luke it says this, and whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Are we cross bearers? Are we deniers of self? And are we focused on Christ? Ending here with three things. How can we tell? How can I tell 
if I am a cross-bearer? What are the characteristics of a cross-bearer? Number one, they are people of peace. Cross-bearers are people of peace. They are at peace and they are peacemakers. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 20 it says, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, that's not the entire verse, but the point I'm making, brothers and sisters, is that Christ made peace on the cross between you and me, between all mankind. By his death he made peace. His blood makes the way for us to have peace between us and God. And if I'm a cross-bearer, if I am following Christ, I'll be at peace. I will be a peaceful person because His peace is in my heart. The way I know if I am a cross-bearer is if I am peaceful and if I'm a peacemaker. Are you a peacemaker? Am I a peacemaker? If I'm not, then I have to ask myself some hard questions. The, the second thing, the second characteristic is of a cross-bearer is that they are joyful. That they are joyful. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says this. This is talking about Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured what? The cross. Despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I think what I get from that, brothers and sisters, is this. Jesus knew what it meant to go to the cross. He knew what it meant to suffer and die that horrible day. He knew what it meant to to bring himself underneath that, that death. But he did it with joy because he looked beyond. He looked beyond. When we, when we are, when we are cross-bearers, daily dying, we are, are no longer focusing on ourselves. We are looking beyond to Christ and others. And it fills us with joy. There is, we're not trying to protect ourselves. We die daily. There's nothing here. I'm dead. I'm dead myself and alive in Christ. Are you joyful cross bearer? What cross are you bearing? And is it burdensome? Where are you focusing at? Are you focusing inward? Are you saying, I'm doing it? I, it's, God's grace is there. It's not easy. But I'm in love with my Lord. And I will bear the cross. Whatever it is. The third and final thing is, cross bearers are people who are spiritually alive. Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. This is Paul. He says this, that I may know him. And just prior to this, he was saying, look, I count all things but dung. I, I'm, I am done with this earthly stuff. I don't care anymore about my status. I don't care who I was. I don't care what you think I am. He says, that I may know him 
and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering being made conformable unto His death. Alive in Christ. Dead to sin. Dead to self. And alive in Christ. Are we alive in Christ? Are we joyful? Are we peacemakers? Are we at peace in our spirit, in our hearts? If not, are we dying to self? One final verse. This is familiar, and all of you can quote it. Galatians 2.20 I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in this flesh, in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am crucified with Christ. I am dead. Yet I live. Do you remember when that happened? When you were born again? Do you remember the day you were born again? Do you remember that? I remember it. And I've told you that story. I was dead. I remember telling God, I'll do whatever you ask me. I will do it. I will follow you. Terrifying. And it's not been easy. And I have failed. But brothers and sisters, let's be cross bearers. Let's deny ourselves so that we can be joyful, peaceful, and on fire for the Lord. It's the only way it's going to work. We can convince ourselves that we are. And if we're, if, we're not, if we're not dying to self, the Spirit of God cannot move freely in us. If you want to know if you are a disciple of, of, of Christ, if you are becoming like Him, then are you denying yourself? Just as He did, He denied Himself and went to the cross for our sins. Are you denying yourself? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Thank you, Father, for some of these truths, these things that we talked about. And Father, we just acknowledge that we're we have a hard time I have a hard time letting go of myself. I like myself pretty good. And I suspect that many of us do. And so, Father, as we think about what you said in your word about denying ourselves and willingly taking up the cross, our cross, whatever that means, and we follow you. If we could only get a glimpse of what it, what it re will really be in the future, maybe that would help us. In the meantime, Father, would you help us to walk in those truths? Help us to be humble before you and allow you to, to, to show us where we're not, perhaps, dying to self. And how that affects our...
us personally, our families, our, our workers around us. I just pray, God, that you would, you would do a work in us. And give us the grace and the power to live as cross bearers. We pray in Jesus' name.